This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. BFM 89.9, 7.06 a.m. on Friday, the 25th of November. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Philip C. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. U.S. markets were closed as many were stuffing their faces with turkey and cranberry sauce due to Thanksgiving. Asian markets, however, were mixed. The Nikkei was up 1%, Hang Seng up 0.8%, Shanghai Composite down 0.3%, Singapore's STI down 0.1%, and back home, FBM KLCI a whopping up 4%. Reacting to overnight news that we do have a new Prime Minister finally in place four days, five days after we cast our ballots on Saturday. But uh, looking at what moving international markets, we do have on the line Paul Chu, Head of Research at Philip Securities, a member of Philip Capital. Paul, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Let's take a look over at the US. FOMC minutes indicate that the Fed might take a moderate path to rate hikes, possibly 50 instead of 75 bips in the future. How positive a development would this be for Asian equities in general? Uh, good, good morning. Uh, it is definitely a positive uh, what we see is a repricing outwards of all assets, I think with a more predictable Fed path, as terminal Fed funds rate likely to peak at 5%, uh, at reinforcing this Fed predictability you know, is the receding rate of inflation in the US. Uh, the, the larger concern for us is actually next year. I think economic conditions are slowing and there is a risk of a recession. Uh, historically, the U.S. equity market only bottoms in a recession and tends to bottom months after a Fed rate cut. Not so with recession and possible rate cut only in the later part of 2023, no, we, we do worry there will be another leg down in equities. Okay, t- talking about uh, economic growth slowing is uh, also Singapore because the Ministry of Trade and Industry there on Wednesday said that GDP growth was slow between 0.5% and 2.5% in 2023. How does this differ from your house view and what's the impact going to be? Uh, for Singapore, we are a bit more placated. I think what we do see here in Singapore is a very strong uh, domestic economy. Uh, Tourism alone is almost five percentage points of GDP growth and, and for a mature economy, that's very critical. So with the reopening that we've seen in, the, in uh, borders, uh, we think that is a major driver for the domestic economy. I think just to give you a flavor, I think some of the, the local uh, casinos here or integrated resorts have seen their casino takings or even profits back to pre-pandemic levels. So, so the domestic economy will be one uh, driver to offset the global weakness, not to mention the regional countries here, which is another uh, driver to economic growth for Singapore. And you talk about this globe, you know, this domestic economy driving the the growth for next year. But if you look at the markets, really, fund inflows taking place in telco, banking, and tech sectors. What is specifically appealing for these three sectors? How correlated are they to the domestic economy then? Okay, uh, if you narrow down to, to telcos, uh, what we see is that uh, mobile revenues, you know, being such a mature industry, is, has actually started to grow uh, at their fastest pace in years, in almost a decade. Uh, in part, you know, due to the return of the high margin roaming revenue, uh, you no know, general improvement in emerging markets, which is supportive for, you know, uh, more specific to Singtel, because we have exposure 
to Thailand and Indonesia and, and prepaid plans. And also um, a bit more ne- uh, nuance is that there's a more conducive, competitive environment in India and this helps Singtel. Uh, banking, as expected, is enjoying a major re-rating because of margin expansion. Uh, we saw in the third quarter bank results, you know, net interest income actually grew about 40% year on year. They kind of turned into like high growth companies, in, at least for the next few quarters. And tech, uh, namely for Singapore, we have semiconductor. Uh, that is recovering after the sell down. Uh, the one thing to note is that the semiconductor companies uh, listed on SGX support front-end equipment, uh, semiconductor equipment companies, and they are benefiting because <clears throat> the customers are expanding capacity because of the, the surge in wafer fab capacity. And also the equipment companies are also diversifying their supplier base. So a lot of these companies are securing new customers and new projects. So, um, Paul, is that what explains why Singaporean tech stocks like Franken and UMS Holdings are seeing um, bullish trends? While if you compare to the U.S. tech sector, that has a more negative outlook associated with it. Okay. Uh, for us, uh, for Philip Securities Research, I think we, we prefer UMS, I think, for their investor engagement and more importantly, the transparency. So for, for, for UMS, uh, if you look at their third quarter, their recent third quarter 22 results, I think they've exceeded expectations. The earnings actually almost double on a year-on-year basis. Uh, UMS have announced actually a new plant in Penang for their new front-end semiconductor uh, business. And also that will raise their capacity by 50% in terms of square feet. Uh, so that new customer is really a major growth driver for them. So this is unique to Singapore uh, listed companies, uh, semiconductor companies. And another con- driver for UMS is also aerospace component parts, especially lending gear through their listed subsidiary, uh, JEP. Okay, I have a question for you, Paul, with regards to the Legat. So if I look at the Straits Times Index uh, on a year-to-date basis, the names that have disappointed at sets, for example, uh, and I see logistic players also included. Is it time to look at these names? Uh, for sets, we actually just uh, initiated coverage. I think... What drove down sets was a bit more uh, uh, company-specific for them uh, because they announced quite a massive rights issue and that kind of spooked the market. And secondly, uh, although the reopening team is is, uh, is uh, a team that's easy to sell, but for sets in particular, uh, they had to take on a lot of upfront costs. Uh, with the reopening, I think one thing that probably uh, kind of... Uh, surprised the market negatively was that they had to take on the additional headcount. They had to build up a lot of upfront expenses uh, before you know, enjoying the revenues uh, with the reopening. And as a result of this, uh, what, what, you see, what you see is that the earnings came down, I think, uh, was weaker than expected. Okay, what about the REIT space? Because I see names like uh, Fraser's Logistics, Capital DC, Maple Tree, all three Maple Tree REITs also coming under pressure and uh, basically underperforming the broader market. Is it time to relook at the REITs or do we have to wait for the interest rate cycle to actually come to, well, at least come to an end in terms of hikes? Okay, I think before the recent uh, rate hike for this year, I think these REITs were probably trading at you know, around 5%. And when in with Singapore, FD rates now almost hitting 4%. It, it obviously doesn't make them attractive. So we do see a major repricing uh, for all these REITs. Uh, we think REITs will look attractive, especially uh, next year, uh, maybe in the first half or maybe the second quarter. But once the Fed, you know, kind of, for lack of a better word, flushes out all these rate hikes, 
Uh, and as a result, this this reads are positioned well because most some of them are trading at a discount to book. Their yields are now more attractive, maybe six to seven percent. Some of the US reads almost ten to eleven percent. And also they can act as a defensive uh, strategy as you no know, we we come up face uh, as we go to as we head towards a uh, recessionary conditions in the US. So I think REITs look attractive uh, as we move into second quarter of next year. And so, Paul, even when I hear you right, Singapore seems to be an outlier over the outlook for next year, which is generally a much more challenging outlook. And so, in your perspective, where does gold position itself next year? Is it going to be increasingly a very important safe haven? As a general rule, uh, you know, we always think of gold as a, a zero coupon bond, uh, no, like a bank deposit with, with no interest. So, with interest rate rising and like, uh, as we mentioned earlier, you no know, fixed deposits in Singapore rising close to four uh, percent, and it's going to be costly if you keep any money in gold. So the the only play gold had over the past twelve months, I think, was to to benefit from you no know, funds flowing out from the bond market route, uh, and to gold. Uh, I think it worked in first quarter twenty three, but I think later fizzled out. I think gold is down three percent this year. So we think gold has lost its luster and probably seemed to only serve as a tactical deflationary shock or risk. For instance, when you know, missiles started hitting Poland, then I think we see that that uh, the bounce in gold. Otherwise, we think you no know, gold uh, probably the safer way to pay, probably just keep our money in in a short depo- short term deposits. Yeah. That's also one way. That's All a safe right. haven. All right, Paul. Thanks very much for speaking with us this morning. That was Paul Chu, head of research at Philips Securities, a member of Philip Capital, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. That risk of recession really looming over um, investors in 2023. How has how much has gold evolved since then? We had always thought about it as the default gold, uh, you know, safe haven. But really, as what Paul is saying, it's really for those major shocks now. Yeah, and not. No longer a hedge against inflation, exactly. for sure. Uh, well, let's talk about something that was supposed to be a hedge against inflation. And that is, of course, cryptocurrencies. Well, seriously, didn't turn out to be the case, right? I mean, look at uh, Bitcoin, down 64% on a year-to-date basis. Ether, down 67% on a year-to-date basis. And the news coming out of this sector, no end to it. That's right. So we see that uh, crypto exchange Binance has announced new details about its industry recovery fund, which aims to prop up struggling players in the wake of FTX's calamitous bankruptcy. Binance said it will devote $1 billion in initial commitments to the recovery fund. This may even be increased to to $2 billion at a point in time in future if the need arises. So really, they're seeing that a lot of support is needed for crypto space at the moment. From being a potential hitch to now potentially becoming unhinged. That is the <laughs> biggest debate here. Binance CEO Chang Ping Zhao shared the public wallet address showing its initial commitment and said they will do this transparently. Now, public blockchain data reviewed by CNBC showed a balance of around $1 billion in Binance's own BUSD stablecoin. Now, BUSD is a stablecoin issued by blockchain Chain infrastructure from Paxos and it's approved and regulated by the New York State Department of Financial Services. Yeah, I think what Binance is trying to do, at least the boss is trying to do, is create a fund to give some sort of flaw to what's happening in the cryptocurrency mm. space because apparently another, ba- another, well, he's going to make a bid for another bankrupt lender, Voyager Digital. So the domino pieces keep on falling. 7.17 in the morning. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll continue looking at the top headlines in the newspapers and portals, both in the international front as well as locally. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9.
The World Market Watch is brought to you by CIMB Preferred. Moving forward with you. Visit cimbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.